Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. There's one more thing I want to say, and I want to add to what Steve said about Congresswoman uh, Waters. There's no place for this. Uh, she obviously should apologize. When we in this democracy are suggesting that because we disagree with people on, on political views, on policy views, on philosophical views, that we should resort to violence and harassment and intimidation, that's dangerous for our, 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 our society. It's dangerous for our democracy. She should apologize, and there's just no place for that in our public discourse. And that was uh, Paul Ryan. And he was giving a press conference for a number of other things, and a number of other members stood up and spoke. And he closed it out with that comment, which is 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 well uh, well shared. At you know, at, I wish he'd come out immediately as soon as she said it, but you know, it, good enough, good enough. So when I talked to you about these 1970s style bombings, and welcome back to the show, Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Great to be with you. Oh, it's it's Hump Day. This is hour two. We have Carmine Sabia coming up next segment. He's going to talk to us about current events, which all current events lead back to what happens with this uh, uh, Supreme Court appointment. Um, they actually have Peter Strzok on Capitol Hill today. He is appearing uh, for a closed door interview. Uh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in that room. And then, of course, there's a statement from Senator uh, Mitch McConnell. The Senate stands ready to fulfill its constitutional role by offering advice and consent on President Trump's nominee to fill this vacancy. We will vote to confirm Justice Kennedy's successor this fall. McConnell issued a veiled warning to Democrats who are likely to throw up as many obstacles as they can find to prevent the court from further swinging to the right. It's imperative, this is Mitch McConnell, that the president's nominee be considered fairly and not subjected to personal attacks. Whoa. I hope he's ready to throw down. If you want to see somebody throw down, by the way, I didn't save the audio because it was rough outdoor audio live on the scene of some group of protesters, some activists at Georgetown University. Mitch McCall and his wife, Elaine Chow, who's the transportation secretary, were leaving an event on the campus. They had their big black, you know, government issue Escalade park there. Two Secret Service agents escorting them out. Mitch McConnell went to enter the vehicle and his wife went around the back to enter on the driver's side. And uh, a group of men, I think five men, couple with cameras, one with a boom to get the audio. They walk up and they said, why are you separating children and families at the border? Huh? Why are you ch- separating children and families at the border? Mitch McConnell got into the vehicle. They shut the door behind him. And then the agent went around the back where the men crushed up against the back of the vehicle. And Elaine Chow wasn't able to get around the back. She said, are you going to let me through? And they started asking the question repeatedly. And she said, leave my husband alone. And then she got right in their faces and smiled and said, are you going to let me around the back of this building? Or are you going to prevent me from entering this, bu- this, uh, this vehicle? They start yelling. These grown men, they're clearly like a foot or more taller than she is. And she was like, you're, are you going to let me around the back of this vehicle and leave my husband alone? Leave my husband alone. I mean, she wasn't even slightly intimidated. And the Secret Service agents were two very small women. I mean, they were so small. I just would have been like, this isn't going to do it for me. But anyway, she goes to get in the vehicle. She puts one foot in. And as she lowers her head to kind of duck into the the back of the car, she sticks her finger out and looks right at him and smiles and then gets in the vehicle. Apparently, she's not intimidated by big, burly, angry protesters. I'm telling you. So this is where where are we going with this? Uh, 1970s style bombings, according to an author over at a, a conservative website. It's 
what we need to be expecting. And this writer is trying to put us in the mind of what, what we should be looking for and what we should expect. So we can't expect that even though we keep saying this is the wrong behavior and even people in leadership like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are saying, don't do this. We can't expect that that's what's going to happen. Um, this is by Art Moore. He's the co-author of the best-selling book, See Something, Say Nothing. And he's talking about the 1970s. So he's, it, he's quoting Splinter senior writer Hamilton Nolan. Now, Splinter is a website. It's hard on the left. It's an activist type of a website. And this guy, who's the senior writer over there, says, do you think that being asked to leave a restaurant or having your meal interrupted or being called by the public is bad? My fascism enabling friends, this is only the beginning. He points to history. He says in his, in his piece, he says, thousands of domestic bombings per year were the norm in the 1970s. This is what happens when citizens decide en masse that their political system is corrupt, racist, and unresponsive. The people out of power have only just begun to flex their dissatisfaction. The day will come sooner than you all think when Trump administration officials will look back fondly at the time when all they had to worry about was getting hollered at at a Mexican restaurant. The reason when is he reasons that when you aggressively expletive with people's lives, you should not be surprised when they decide to expletive with yours. Splinter is a news and opinion website owned by the progressive Gizmodo Media Group a division of Univision Communications. You surprised about that? Which is a Hispanic media giant. Splinter's direct owner, Fusion Media Group, was purchased from Disney in April of 2016. Fusion describes itself as Univision's multi-platform English language division dedicated to serving young, diverse America. Nolan writes a, a, you know, uh, an op-ed for the New York Times recently. Uh, he contends that Trump administration officials should not be allowed to live their lives in peace and affluence while they inflict serious harms on large portions of America's population. There's so much wrong with that. Obviously, he's just ginning up hatred and hoping for the bombings and everything that he mentions. Not being able to go to restaurants and attend parties and be celebrated is just the minimum baseline here. The people who are pushing America merrily down the road to fascism and white nationalism are delusional if they do not think that the backlash is going to get much worse. He says that Trump's outrages include ripping families apart at the border, and he wants those costs to be shown immediately. He doesn't want anyone to forget that Trump uh, is fighting against climate change, you know, in other words, taking the religion of climate change apart. Uh, neutering the EPA, mainstreaming white nationalist ideas. Since when is he doing that? And he says the cost will be manifested for many decades to come. Now, according to the FBI, in 1971 and 1972 alone, there were more than 2,000 bombs planted throughout the United States by domestic terror groups. There was the Weather Underground led by Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, and their targets were the Pentagon and the U.S. Capitol. Now, according to these people, God is on their side. Now, I've told you about that. God not only hates violence, but he hates duplicity and he hates people who lie and lead others astray. He hates it. So it doesn't matter if someone who's a radical or someone who wants you to believe what they believe claims to have a mandate from God to do that. It's your responsibility as the listener to test what they say and to make sure that what they're telling you is the truth before you join in. So if you end up going out and letting these hate-filled mongers rile you up to the point where you begin to engage in this kind of behavior, and then you're arrested, 
Don't expect, you know, your, your local uh, Christian organization or your church to come bail you out or for anyone to defend the deplorable behavior that is being instituted here. And this is not an accident. It's not, it's, none of these things are happening in a vacuum apart from themselves. This is the plan. We couldn't win the election. They had guaranteed themselves. They basically lulled themselves into a stupor of complacency with the belief that they were going to win the election in 2016. And when it wasn't given to them, they then said, well, all we have to do is show how duplicitous Donald Trump is. We just listen to him, wiretap him, get into his emails. We'll get him. He's dirty. We'll get rid of him. Well, how's that working out for you? It's not. It's not working out. And that's why you see them escalating and ramping up, finding any little thing, something that was going on during the Obama administration and the Bush administration and the Clinton administration. Now, all of a sudden, it's a capital case. Now, all of a sudden, Linda Sarsour sees kids at, uh, you know, at the airport. Where was she seeing them before? These kids have been getting bussed all over the country and flown all over the country for the past 30 years. But she's just now seeing them at the airport. So I talked to you a little bit about this young woman, 28 years old, who just unseated one of the biggest Trump haters in the Congress, Congressman Joe Crowley. He was expected to take Nancy Pelosi's place, but now he won't be able to do it because he has summarily been ousted from his position by this young woman. Her name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Now, Donald Trump's taking credit for the earthquake that unseated this guy. He's already tweeted um, <laughs> a very, very uh, in-your-face kind of nanny-nanny-boo-boo tweet, uh, tweet from Donald Trump. But... Crowley was supposed to be Pelosi's successor. Now, here's what's important about this. And, and I alluded to this in hour one about the importance of us understanding how this it's it seems like it's this weird. Like, how could that be happening? How, why is Linda Sarsour criticizing Chuck Schumer? Why is uh, why, why, why do we see so many people saying mean things about Nancy Pelosi? What's the problem it, for those of us who are normal? We see Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer for what they are. They're hard on the left. They're hard on the left of American politics. But if you've come here from Guatemala or some other third world, you know, society where every two years or so there's a coup and the drug lord is just as prominent in your country as, you know, the president or prime minister or whatever you've got, then all this talk about peaceful elections and, you know, well, we'll get them the next time. We'll, you know, we didn't win in 2016. We have 2020. That's not good enough for you. You need a little revolution. You're looking for something a little bit, you know, tangier than what we Americans are used to. We've had peaceful transitions of power for the entirety of our country's history, with the exception of when we took this country from Great Britain. That was that was pretty violent. We had to rip it out of their hands and then send them packing with their little red jackets. And, you know, I love a really nice red jacket, but they had to go. And other countries just aren't used to that, especially South American countries. So we're bringing all of these South Americans in here. Are we surprised that they would want to elect someone to represent them in Congress who will bring them some revolution, the kind of revolution they're used to? But this isn't something that was brought about by Republicans by themselves. The Republicans have been complicit in the immigration problem in this country, but they've been led by the nose by the Democrats. So you've got uh, the Democratic Socialists of America. That's the party she belongs to. She's not a Democrat. She's a Democratic Socialist person. She took down one of the most powerful institutional Democrats in Congress. She ran an uncompromising campaign based on 
militant principles, including abolishing ICE. That's Jeremy Scahill. He tweeted that out today. After today's primary, 28-year-old Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is most certain to become the first member of a socialist organization to be elected in Congress in 90 years and the fourth open socialist ever ever elected to Congress in U.S. history. Socialism is spelled Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Congratulations to my Dem socialist comrade, my Latinx millennial sister, Ocasio 2018, on tonight's historic primary win. Si se puede, si se pudo, palante to a government for the many, not for the few. How did this happen? And why, if you're a Democrat, what are you going to do about it? You can't do anything about that particular instance because this woman has just been given the nomination. And from that, she will win the seat because there is no viable Republican challenger for the heavily Democratic district that she hails from. So now that we know she'll be in Congress, what does this mean? Well, in the short term, it means good things for Republicans and for uh, Donald Trump because she's going to say things that make people who support her look like people from a third world country. But what about what it speaks to when it comes to the plight of, say, I don't know, blacks who live in the district where she comes from? She may give lip service that she wants uh, universal health care for all. She wants to eradicate poverty in this country. All utopian ideals. You notice how Democrats always talk about stuff that is literally impossible. If we can't insure 15% of Americans who don't have insurance, how are we going to eradicate poverty in its entirety? We've been fighting the war on poverty for 100 years. It just keeps getting worse. The further away from capitalism we get, the worse it gets. But she doesn't care about that. She won't be required to deliver any results. It will be the campaign slogans. It will be the youthfulness of her demeanor. It will be the historicity of her campaign. When people are left behind and inevitably wake up in the morning after she served her first term and she's asking for re-election and they don't see any difference, any material difference in their circumstances that they can attribute to her, they'll blame Republicans, they'll blame Donald Trump. But the truth is, this is the Democrats reaping what they've sown. The fact that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's base is now eating them alive, literally ripping them limb from limb and moving them out of the way and replacing them with hardcore socialists is exactly what happens when you spend 30, 40 years teaching American children that America is the devil, that socialism is good. Eventually, those kids are going to grow up and vote you out. That's what's happening to the Democrats. Sure, it sounds satisfying, but what does it mean for America? Not good. It's not good at all. All right, when we get back, we will have Carmine Sabia with us here on the show. Stay there. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for a healthcare plan, or more importantly, if you signed up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have hundreds of thousands of members all across the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2.5 billion of each other's medical bills. Best of all, 
You could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is about 500 bucks a month. Your savings may be less or more, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. Here's the number to find out more. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. Just hit star star 345. That's star star 345. Star star 345. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Mention celebrity suicides and you immediately think of Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, and Kate Spade. Talk about teen suicides and you think of the lost potential of young people. After all, it is the third leading cause of death among 10 to 24-year-olds. Every day, at least 123 Americans die of suicide. It is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Depression is one reason, a psychological disorder that affects nearly a fourth of American adults in a given year. And only half of all Americans experiencing an episode of major depression receive treatment. It is also true that more than half of those who commit suicide had no history of mental health problems. Troubled relationships, substance abuse, health issues, and financial woes are some of the other challenges that contribute to suicide. Sociologists document that people are more isolated than ever before. On the other hand, we may be more connected virtually through social media, but that's not the same as face-to-face interaction and friendships. Families, churches, and social groups can provide an answer to the suicide epidemic. Psalm 34:18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. We should take comfort in that verse, but also be the hands and feet of Jesus to reach out to those who are crushed and brokenhearted. Parents also have an important role to play. Asking your child about suicide does not cause suicidal behavior, but can provide a caring and empathetic conversation that might save his or her life. They should look for warning signs. One study found that four out of five teen suicides were preceded by clear warning signs. We're living in the midst of a suicide epidemic. That is why each of us should be watching for any cry for help and attention. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on Urban Family Talk. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for being here with us today at Stacy on the Right on Twitter and Instagram, StacyOnTheRight.com for the newsletter and also for my columns and other cool stuff that you can watch if you're interested in doing that. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest to the program, Carmine Sabia. He's a junior who's a Christian conservative political pundit, radio host and editor. Carmine, thanks for joining in today. Hey, Stacy, thank you for having me. Hey, I, I'm excited to talk to you because it's, Justice Anthony Kennedy's retiring day. Oh, it, it's a party today. <laughs> it's a party. It's a, a great happy. day to be a conservative. You know, I get up in the morning, go over, I'm about to start my writing, and all of a sudden, I get a big fat Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you Roe were, you were is, is on the ropes. I'm telling you, I, I thought about that too, but rather than count my chickens before I even see, can see eggs or a coop. I thought it would be awesome for you and I to discuss, because I know this is right in your wheelhouse. Um, I want to kind of go back and refresh the listeners on this list. So remember, this list has existed since before Donald Trump was actually the president. It was created in part by Heritage and some other really conservative organizations where they felt like 
They wanted to offer a, a kind of a hand up to the president incoming who they thought, you know, the, whoever the president coming in is we want to make sure they have our opinion on who would make great justices. And it's quite a list. I mean, Keith Blackwell, um, Allison Ide of Colorado, just you, Mike Lee of Utah. That's my um, pick. Yeah. Yeah. Diane Sykes of Wisconsin. Who else? Who else is who who else on here do you feel like would be great? Um, I mean, they're all they're all look like really good people, honestly. Um, but there I has mean, to be really someone. Can't go wrong. It's kind of like you know, fling a dart over your shoulder. Uh-oh. You know what Do I mean? We... Oh, like, there you are. Fling a dart over your shoulder, and and you're going to hit a winner. For me, though, Mike Lee is my guy. Okay. Like I saw Ben Shapiro uh, put out something that he should be on the list. Ben Shapiro. Um, I would, no, was, my children I would, you know, will not, not permit that. No, my <laughs> kids would never go for that because they they love his podcast. No, of not. Yeah. Oh, the, the millennials of today would rise up in in angst. No, he can't. He has to stay right there behind the microphone and behind the television screen um, for the videos and the content Br- that he produces. Uh, Br- Grant a hard look, I think. Mm-hmm. Kavanaugh's mm-hmm. got to get a hard look. Uh, what about? I know this is this sounds a little crazy, and maybe it's too soon, but. I want Ted Cruz to go on the Supreme Court. I knew you were going to say that. You knew it. <laughs> well, I knew right? you were going to say that. I thought it too, but he, uh, the president said he's going to stick to the list. Okay. I would love Ted Cruz myself. I mean, if, if I had to pick anybody, I would pick Senator Ted Cruz. But he said he's going to stick to the list. I, I have a feeling he will. All right. So, the, and this is also the list that Neil Gorsuch came from, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So he it's a good list. five names after the election, but... Um, but it's the same list. Yeah. All right. So we've got that. I think, I think that coupled with the statement from Mitch McConnell's office, they were very swift to put out word today saying that the nomination will occur this fall. They're not going to, you know, delay anything. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, they're also working through August. Conservatives when they tell you, Hey, how come Senator McConnell said, you know, let's wait for an election, but now he doesn't have to. Well, a presidential election and, and, and a congressional election, I mean, is very different because the way the House of Representatives works, I mean, you're, you're always in election season, so then you mm-hmm. could never nominate a Supreme Court justice. You know, well, the House has, there's, there's elections every two years. So there are. If you so, go by that logic, you could never nominate a Supreme Court justice. That's uh, Senator true. McConnell was specifically referring to presidential elections. So when Democrats say, well, the people deserve a say in the Supreme Court, they had one last year, they knew a seat was on the line. And this was a vote they made. So don't tell me now people need a say. They have their say. Yeah. You know what, Carmine? I don't really care what people say about what happened with Merrick Garland. It's True. in the past. And whenever we would bring up things that Hillary Clinton did that were in the past but were still relevant because they were under investigation, we were told, sit down, be quiet. Those are in the past. Well, the Merrick yeah. Garland nomination actually is in the past because the seat that he was going to occupy has been occupied by Neil Gorsuch. And the person who was supposed to put him there is no longer the president. And the person who was supposed to succeed that person didn't win the presidency. So not only is it in the past, it's like so behind us. And it really is a distraction away from the true issue, which is, you know, you talked about uh, Roe v. Wade. We've just had some really consequential decisions come down on a 5-4 basis where Neil Gorsuch is doing what we hoped he would do when his name appeared on that list. He's solidly... Yes, five four, five four, five four. It keeps coming back five four. And Justice Anthony Kennedy has been, you know, he likes to swing around. This past couple of days, he's been right there, you know, at the right spot, which is interesting with his announcement from today. 
Yeah, I thought that too. I thought this really signaled something. And the announcement today, I think, signals, hey, look, I may be a swing vote, but I'm making sure that I stick to my Republican principles and I'm making sure a Republican gets on this court. And I think that's that's what he said with with um with his retirement today is that hey look, I'm not gonna be replaced by a Democrat. <laughs> I'm I'm just, you know, yeah, there's things I disagree with President Trump on. I'm speaking for him now. Yeah, there's things I disagree with President Trump on, but I'm not, I'm not getting replaced by Kamala Harris. So not let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, there's there's been this big, big, huge story. I've been covering it every day, um, and it is the new tactic of the left, which is no person who supports Donald Trump, whether they're an administration official or just a Trump supporter in a hat should be allowed in public spaces. And a number of Democrats have come out and said that's not American, but a number of them are holding their ground. You have Sonny Hostin over at The View, who was the lone person on the panel to defend this behavior. You have... I was uh, shocked at that. Yeah. I was shocked that Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar Mm -hmm. actually took the other side of that debate. I was too. In fact, I was sitting there, you know, you you watch the, the clip. So I wasn't watching it on TV. I was watching on my laptop. I have a little cup of coffee. And Joy Behar starts talking about, you know, I, I don't agree with that. I, I don't like the way people treat me in public. And I, I just pe- think people should leave people alone when they're in public trying to go about their, their business. And Whoopi Goldberg said she gets accosted in groups where she, you know, she literally has experienced this and she was totally against it. And so I'm sitting there thinking, are pigs about to fly through my window? These two, I, I agree with these two. And then Sonny Hostin, who can often be somewhat reasonable, comes out as the one who thinks this is okay. I was really surprised. Yeah, I was surprised at that, too, because I thought Hostin would have been more reasonable than that. But it just shows how divided we are right now, right? It does. It does. It's, it's very so divided, sad. But I think it's a horrible thing. I think it's a horrible thing. I wouldn't want Republicans doing it to liberals. No, I wouldn't. I, and I would not. Um, I absolutely would not support that. So, you know, for those who think, well, she's just outraged because it's Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah, I'm a Sarah Huckabee Sanders fan. I ain't going to lie. But it's not because it's her. It's because that kind of behavior in public. First of all, if you've ever been in public and seen someone like kind of have an outburst and then other people respond to it, it is so disconcerting because you're not used to it. None of us are used to it. That's not the kind of place where we live. When you experience it, it leaves you shaken all day. I remember it happening at at an airport where we were all around the baggage claim. And a lady told the, uh, the, I guess they were arguing over the space. Everyone is rushing forward trying to get their bag. She says, you know, you're only treating me this way because I'm black. You're a racist. And a bunch of people erupted and said, wow, you can't call him a racist just because he bumped into you with your bag. Everyone was yelling at once. And the person who said it, she immediately kind of shrunk down like, oh, my gosh, they're going to hit me. And she grabbed her bag and got out of there. And people kept arguing and talking amongst themselves. And it was loud. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my gosh. So that lady who just said that, she must have really felt like terrible. What? Why did she say that? I missed what happened. All I wanted to do is get my bag and get as far away from there as I could. Because I, I was really on the outside of it. I couldn't even see what the original problem was. But everyone was so angry. And you can feel that anger rise up when it's a group of people. And all the emotions are running high. And that wasn't even directed at me. So, you know... I, I don't think people really understand what this looks like. If everyone's going to confront people that are Trump supporters all the time in public spaces like gas stations and stuff, that looks like a mob all the time. 
And it's super scary to have that in your face. It is. So we've got to be better as people about that. I think we do. We we have to be better than that, and we have to be understanding of the fact that that no matter how much we disagree, we still all have the right to be in public. So I want to kind of go back a little ways. You know, there's um, some new audio that's out of Roseanne Barr, and it's a a podcast she did about a month ago. But, well, no, she's in this one. She's being interviewed by America's rabbi, uh, Rabbi Shmuley, and they're good friends. They've been friends for decades. And apparently in the interview, she breaks down and she talks about how sorry she is and she doesn't want anyone to defend her. But she's really seeking forgiveness. And I'm wondering if in some ways we've lost the art of letting someone you know, after they've apologized, letting them off the hook. In other words, you've apologized. You, you know, you're, you're, you can be a regular person again, instead of just leaving her up for a public shame and humiliation for the rest of her life. Well, I think we did. I think, I think there's, there's this thing where people on the other side, whether it be a liberal or whether it be a conservative or a progressive, there's this desire to not just defeat somebody, but to destroy somebody. I've heard people say things to me about Senator Schumer or or Representative Maxine Waters, that they actually want to kill them. And I don't like that. That scares the heck out of me. I want no harm to come to these people. I want to defeat them on the battlefield of ideas, but I want them to live their life happy and healthy. Yeah, me too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I, I I think think we've gotten to a point where people don't want that. They want, I disagree with Senator Schumer. I want to destroy him. And I don't, I personally, and I, I know people on the right get angry at me sometimes when I will step in. Like if somebody will put fake news out, like there was a picture about Senator, uh, Representative Maxine Waters the other day that she said something about high tide and low tide was full of global warming, which is fake news. And I call it out. <laughs> and people get angry at me. Why are you calling it out? Because why are you doing that? That's stupid. Oh. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get sucked in. High tide and low tide. I'm not gonna get sucked in. I won't do it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, she didn't really say that. I mean, it was. Oh funny. gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. Let's. You know, my thing with all of it is there's so much that a lot of these elected officials and public people say um, that is that what they've said. <laughs> we don't have to. We don't have to do any conspiracy Correct. theory. We don't have. We don't have to attack their looks. We can just go with what they've said, and it's more than I enough. Mean, between Vice President Joe Biden and Representative Barbara Lee is a treasure trove of quotes. It is. I mean, just unbelievable uh, amount of quotes. Um, so you said you get up in the morning and you go to write, and then there's all this breaking news. What are you writing about today? What's what's hot on the, the ticket for today? <laughs> well, I'm writing about the Supreme Court now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I was writing about civility before that, but uh, uh, yeah. I think the Supreme Court kind of takes precedence right now. I mean, there's a lot of affirmative action is on the line. Gay marriage, by the way, is not on the line for people that are talking about it. That's done. Yeah. That's settled law. That's not going to be any because Justice Gorsuch pretty much said as much. So you're not going to have that on the line. But, you know, Roe versus Wade is on the line. Affirmative action is on the line. I'll tell you one of the things I was going to write about today. Well, I I found it interesting uh, after the decision came out today. The Democrat Party is legitimately trying to make a case about forcing people to pay dues to an organization they might not want to belong to. <laughs> and somehow that's part of democracy. I thought, I, I just reading the hot takes on that and trying to figure out how are they making this case 
uh, was rather interesting this morning. It, I mean, it's been a banner week for the Supreme Court. It just got better. I'm very excited, as you can tell today. I'm very excited. Yeah. So, um, Carmine, so what else is there, though? We have just about a minute left. Are, are there any more decisions? Because I know we're getting close to the end of the period where they announce their decisions. I believe it's done now. I believe it's okay. done. That's why he announced his retirement today. Okay. Okay. So that's it. I feel, I feel that there's a sense of like anticipation now because I really feel like we're going to get, uh, you know, there's somebody out there, you know how we have so many people who they have their area of specialty. Carmen, there's yes. somebody out there right now who's doing like the top five picks and they're going to have breakdowns. You know how for people yes. in sports, they want to, they want to know everything about the different sports people and the different quarterbacks. Well, this is that for <laughs> me. I want to know everything about these justices, you know, that their, their body of work, their, their precedents, all, all the decisions they've made. I, I am so interested in this, and it's going to really be great to talk about it on the show as well. And I'll be looking oh, yeah. out for your pieces, um, reading reading what you've written about it. Uh, I wanted to say thanks for coming on today. It's always such a pleasure to speak with you, Carmine Sabia, oh, Jr., Christian conservative political pundit, radio host, editor, extraordinaire, and guest of the show all the time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stacey. Take care. All right. Talk to you again soon. Um, I love it when we have people on who talk about almost anything, and he certainly can with his writing. He's always writing about topics. I have to say, I'm, I, I am excited about that. I wasn't kidding when I said this is kind of like, um, I, I forget what you guys call it because um, I'm not into sports, but you guys have these rundowns, like people who like football and hockey and stuff. Y'all have when um, one person's getting traded, you'll have all of the top picks and then y'all will look at that. That's what this is like. This is like the top, so the top 25 picks. Let me pull my little list back up, you guys. Um, where did I have that list? I put. I just opened it up. The list of 25 people. Ah, here it is. I will put this link into the live streams and on the Facebook page. If you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, thank you so much. And definitely check the Facebook page for this list. It's on the Washington Examiner. It's a piece by Naomi Lim from June 27, 2018. Um, she's just put this list up. Here's who may replace Kennedy on the Supreme Court bench after his retirement goes into effect on July 31st. Oh my goodness, that's, he literally just retired and it goes into effect in just a few days. This is amazing. I want to point out a couple of people who are on here. Um, you've got, uh, for the state of Missouri, so the, the list of, of potentials, they're from all over the country. Uh, from Missouri, he's on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit. His name is Raymond Grunder. And I want to highlight a couple more. We obviously we mentioned Mike Lee of Utah, Thomas Lee of Utah. He's on the Supreme Court of Utah and Kevin Newsom of Alabama. He's on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit. Don Willett of Texas. He's on the Supreme Court of Texas. OK, I'm, I'm split now. I'm split. I think I'm voting for I'm rooting for for Don Willett. He's the one I'm rooting for. Check him out on Twitter if you want to see what I'm talking about. All right, that's the music. We'll be back with more Stacy on the Right right after this. Just a minute with Stacy Washington. Slow down, moms. That sounds pretty counterintuitive, doesn't it? Haven't we all wished to work faster, smarter, and better? But that isn't what God has for us. We have been given life to enjoy abundantly, which means that we must prune our activities for our own sanity. 
as American culture moves at an ever-increasing speed, God calls moms to slow down and say no sometimes. Not only is there power in doing so, there is relief because we must use our time wisely. We often feel the pressure to say yes because we don't want other parents to question our fitness. This fear leads to overscheduling and stress. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 13 says, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. Pray about your family commitments and feel free to say no. God will bless you for it. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. We need you to call your senators today. Tell them to put an end to the liberals' filibuster, switch to a majority vote, and defund Planned Parenthood. Your call will make a difference. Call the Capitol switchboard at 202-224-3121 or go to afaaction.net. Again, call 202-224-3121 and tell your senators to switch to a majority vote and defund Planned Parenthood. Just as David's mighty man, Benaiah, chased down a lion into a pit on a snowy day. Lion chasers, champions, uncommon men and women of faith who are unafraid to stand up and speak truth to power in these dark and evil days. Never before has there been such a need for people of faith to draw a line in the sand with a sword of truth. Lion chasers, the intersection of faith and public policy with Lonnie Poindexter. Weekday mornings at 10 central on Urban Family Talk. I come to steal, kill, and to destroy. You belong to me. Your soul, your mind, and your body. You chose death over life. You are mine. Forever and ever and ever. Israel. Matthew chapter 25 verse 46 says there will be those who will receive eternal punishment in hell, but the righteous will have eternal life in heaven with our Savior Jesus Christ. Which will you choose? Let's go deeper at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. You've been decrying President Trump's bigotry. Uh, obviously, uh, you used to follow somebody who continually expressed sexist, anti-LGBTQ and anti-Semitic bigotry, Louis Farrakhan. You have condemned Farrakhan's bigotry. But I the, would disagree with that. I would disagree with that, sir, but you, I'm what sorry. Are you, what are you disagreeing that with? comes up in this context. Well, you're decrying bigotry no, and I, Louis Farrakhan is a, is, a, is a pretty clear bigot. Right. And I agree that that's true. And I think that uh, I've made myself very clear. But uh, look, that's going back to the false equivalency. You know, I don't have any support for what the individual you just mentioned uh, stands for, nor do I agree with Trump's bigotry either. But that that again, you know, anytime somebody tries to say that something is unfair and bigoted, if you're going to say, well, one time you sort of said something or somebody said you said something and then so nobody oh, you can, were, you can were a complain about Farrakhan. bigotry. You were a follower Jake, of Farrakhan, Jake, sir. No, you, I wasn't. You Jake, I'm sorry. That's not true, Jake. But I just want to say to you, if anyone 
who, uh, who raises concerns about bigotry, then is put in a position to have to defend themselves, then we never get to talk about bigotry. And I hope that's not what your purpose is, Jake, because you've stood for uh, an equal society. But if you're going to try to put me on the spot and have to explain myself, I didn't I, I, pass a Muslim ban. Mm. Whew, it got a little bit uh, frosty up in there with Keith Ellison. So we are going to listen to him continue to tap dance around. In fact, we skipped a little smidge of this audio clip because they were cross-talking each other. And I felt like Jake Tapper was really trying to bring it to Ellison and to call him on the carpet for his support of Louis Farrakhan and Louis Farrakhan's anti-women, anti-Semitic comments over the years. I mean, it's, there's no question the guy has a problem uh, in that area and that he's very bigoted. And he said some very, very incendiary things. It's crazy that Keith Ellison would be so closely associated with him. And of course, now he's distanced himself in the same way that former President Obama distanced him, himself from uh, Reverend Wright. I mean, you know, it was just politically convenient to be with him when the networking and the connections were flowing. And then once he became much more national, it was much more convenient and beneficial to disconnect. But that shouldn't be enough for us. It's an in indicator of some kind of major problem that the two were so closely as affiliated. And he doesn't give a good reason for it. He could say, well, I practice Islam and he leads a huge contingent of, you know, uh, people who practice the same faith as me in this country. And while I disagree with this, uh, this or that, the reason that I was affiliated with him, that I attended events where he spoke is because I wanted to speak to his constituency. I would respect that as a viable opinion as to why a justification for his behavior. You can't change the behavior. What Keith Ellison seeks to do here is to erase the behavior and act as if it never happened. And Jake Tapper wasn't really having it. It's number two. The Washington Post fact checker in March gave you four Pinocchios for your claim that you have no relationship with him. And I want you to take a listen to Farrakhan talking in an interview That's wrong. about how you only. That's not true. And Farrakhan, the Washington Post fact checker, did give you four Pinocchios Jake, about that. That's just true. Jake, they, they were wrong. Jake, they were Jake, wrong. They, I have no, I have not. It's, in, it's untrue, Jake. I'm sorry. And. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that that's why you called me on your show today. I didn't. You know, because that's the, not why I called the Supreme you on the show. Court, but yes. Jake, Jake, the Supreme Court has ruled that the president's uh, ban on Muslims and Muslim countries and which started in his campaign rhetoric, that that is OK. And now, Jake, you want me to have to justify myself no, based on facts that were not true and were always political. Hmm. How is it that they're facts, but they're not true? He should say based on statements that were untrue. But you know how it is when you're on live TV. I get that. So why? I, I just I don't think he should be allowed to get away with it. Sorry, I don't. There's pictures of the two of them hugging each other and spending time together, et cetera, et cetera. If he wants to distance himself from uh, Farrakhan legitimately and, and, and completely, then he should do so by making a statement that actually makes sense to those of us who have eyeballs and can see because YouTube is forever. That's, that's, that's really his only option here. He continues to go on television, and when he's asked about this, he, well, that's just not true. Well, you can say anything you want. You can say anything you want's not true, but what's, what, what do we know? What do we see with our own eyes? It's ridiculous. Um, so I mentioned during my interview with Carmine that, that there's this audio of Roseanne Barr, and Rabbi Shmuley then talked about the interview that he did with her, and there's this lack of willingness to forgive. And as Christians, we have to be reminded continually, I know I do, Full disclosure, I know I do have to be reminded 
that in order to be forgiven by my father in heaven, I must forgive. And you know how it is when something takes root in you, when someone offends you or, or mistreats you or does something wrong to you. And the longer you go without forgiving, the deeper the roots of that unforgiveness latch onto you. And it is so hard to dig them out. If you're into gardening, you know what it's like to try to dig out uh, weeds that have kind of gotten set in and they've been allowed to germinate for too long and they've been rained on for a while and they've sunk their roots deep down into the soil. And so you can pull them out. But if you don't get the whole root out, that root's just going to grow back up to the top and a new weed will be there within seven days. And it's kind of like that with unforgiveness. And that's why God is so clear to us what we must do when we're wronged. I see a huge double standard here, but it doesn't mean that we can't still learn from what's happening. And my heart really goes out to Roseanne Barr because she's someone who has black people in her family. Uh, She really has had close affiliations with blacks for her entire career. She was one of the main people back in Hollywood, back in the day where it was black TV shows and black families on one show and white families on another show, Italian families on another show. There was no mixture. She was one of the people who really liked mixing people up and showing what really has existed in our country since forever. Even during our most segregated times, people spent time during their day with people who weren't the same ethnic background as they were. It just is what it is. And so I want to listen to this audio from her and then we'll go to the phones. Um, she, I feel like she's broken and she deserves our forgiveness and she needs it. And if we have ever been forgiven in our lives, then we ought to know what this feels like and that we want her to have the same freedom to be forgiven and set free from this public vilification. It's number eight. I horribly regret that. Are you kidding? I've lost everything. And I regretted it before I lost everything. And I said to God, I am willing to accept whatever consequences this brings because I know I've done wrong. Joining us now, America's rabbi and longtime Roseanne Barr friend, Rabbi Shmuley Boteik. Thanks for being with us tonight, Rabbi. Thank you for having me, Shannon. Um, she was obviously very emotional in this interview you had with her. She said she's lost everything. Um, she sounded very remorseful, too, and said she knows that she's going to have a price to pay. Well, uh, a lot of people are commenting on the death of civility in America, but maybe, maybe more consequential is the death of forgiveness. Here you have a woman that is quite well known, prepared to show such extreme vulnerability, uh, extreme anguish, emotional brokenness, almost begging to be forgiven for something that she acknowledges was a, a terrible error. And she has said it over and over and over again. And I think it's time that we just allowed her to make restitution and rectification for what she did because we have to be a forgiving people. I mean, it was Martin Luther King, who she says is her idol in this uh, podcast, who said that those who are bereft of forgiveness are also bereft of love. And we must be a much more forgiving nation. Especially when she's getting a punishment that no one else is getting. Uh, You know, Jane Fonda's brother, his movie came out over the weekend, and he has not been suspended from Twitter for saying that the president's son should be kidnapped and put into a cage and then locked into a room with a bunch of pedophiles. He's not had any repercussions for saying that. Roseanne Barr has lost everything. They're writing her out of the show and they're re-releasing it as the Connors. Good luck with that. Who's going to watch that? Like, who? Who is going to? I'm sorry. You guys know, you know, there's so little on TV to watch that when there's something decent, I'm kind of like, okay, 
don't mess with it because I I need to have something. Um, let's go to the phones. We have Jerry from Ohio. Thanks for calling in to Stacy on the right. Wow. Thanks for letting me be on the show, Stacey. Um, no problem. I'm telling you, Roseanne Barr did nothing wrong. I looked at the picture of the, of the, the character from Planet of the Apes. She was exactly right, and it was funny. And what frustrates me is Roseanne Barr has such a sensitive heart. She didn't know that blacks could ever be offended by something like that. And I don't even know the blacks were. I think some white producer at CNN made it out that blacks were offended. And I think Roseanne is a victim of the Main Street media. Well, okay, so a couple things. Um, so she since has admitted that she didn't know that Valerie Jarrett was black, which I knew, but that's because I looked into all of the cabinet members of the Obama administration, their histories and all of that. And so I, I did know that. Now, it is offensive to black people when anyone compares a black person to a monkey. It is very offensive. Um, but I, I think you've also hit on one of the, the overarching themes here, which are it really didn't matter what Roseanne Barr tweeted out in her off time when the show is on hiatus and not filming from her personal Twitter account. It didn't matter that she didn't know Valerie Jarrett was black. None of that mattered because she had to be taken out because she was successfully normalizing Trump voters and support of Donald Trump. And so this was an excuse to get rid of her. And we know that's true because of what happened with uh, Peter Fonda last week. He, he has received no repercussions. And his suggestion uh, on Twitter for the president's son to be kidnapped and fed to pedophiles is much worse than the comparison uh, that was made against Valerie Jarrett. And so, you know, it's a sad moment for us because it's the full fruition of the double standards that the mainstream media has put forward. We now see that they don't even have any shame in destroying the life of one person because they're a conservative while protecting someone else for doing something much, much worse. So, you know, it, it's sad and I, I hate it. I hate what's happening here. And she's really genuinely apologized, which we did not hear from Peter Fonda. And we're not going to hear from many of these other people who've made similar horrible comments. Thank you so much for calling the show today. Um, so we, we have a few minutes left and I just, I, when I listened to that audio, I was like, man, I just, you know, when it's one thing when someone, we've all been through it, haven't we? Someone does something to you and then they say, oh, I'm sorry if you felt like I offended you. What's that? It's not an apology. I'm sorry if you feel like that was the wrong thing for me to say. In other words, I'm fine with it, but you seem to have a problem. I'm sorry you have a problem. Those are not apologies. We've all had someone apologize to us like that. And the inclination within us is, I'm sorry, what? You're sorry that I'm upset that you did something wrong to me? You're not admitting that it's wrong? You're just... And so the, the, it's almost like taking something, they maybe pricked you, maybe it was an accident, maybe it was on purpose, and then instead of them apologizing and helping you find a Band-Aid, they come over and they're like, doesn't look like I made a big enough hole. And they slice you. Now it's open and you're like really ticked off and you're in pain. Then they're like, ah, now there's something for you to be upset about. Still not sorry though. Moving on. And they go on about their lives and they never think about it again. Meanwhile, you're eaten up and riddled with anger and recrimination and you're definitely not happy with them. And the answer is to forgive and let go. And so I totally, I, f I feel terrible for Roseanne because she was she was taken, her, her comment was misconstrued 
Other people have made much worse comments and not had them misconstrued. She's lost a lot and she's genuinely sorry. And so there's a huge difference in her behavior than the behavior of other people. She genuinely wouldn't have sent the tweet out if she'd known it would upset people. Peter Fonda will offend again. He definitely will. He was, he's received no repercussions. And so it's, it's so sad to me that this is going on for her. But I do see it as a lesson for all of us. First of all, we should pray for Roseanne that she will come to a place of peace and have a second chance at reviving her career or doing something different that will be ultimately successful because she really has been successful in Hollywood um, at, at acting and, and at being herself. And for the rest of us who were observing this, for us to remember to forgive, and even if we haven't been asked, that's my, that's my number one one, y'all. I, this is like so real. I hate it when someone has done something and they know I'm upset about it and they know they've done something wrong. And instead of apologizing, they just push forward and expect to still be in close communication and act as if nothing has happened. And then if you bring it up and say, are you not going to acknowledge that you did X? Oh, you, you're, you're really confrontational. In other words, you have a problem, don't you? I don't have a problem. I've hurt you and I'm moving on. That is my, that's my stickler right there. I cannot stand that. But what I know to be the truth is that God has been bringing me along, however slowly, because I'm kicking and screaming, not wanting to come, that I have to forgive. And it's not like he doesn't provide the mechanism for which I can do that. He has his word. He has given me wise counsel from other people that I can talk to and not gossip, but just get it off my chest and pray together and offer the forgiveness that's owed because I want to be forgiven. And that's the big deal here. You want to be forgiven by your father in heaven. You have to forgive even the people who don't ask, even the people who in our minds don't deserve it because none of us deserve it especially not the people who won't apologize, but none of us deserve it. (laughs) Got a long way to go, you guys. Anyway, that's the show for today. God bless you. Uh, Have a great night tonight, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.